We are recording. Wow. Episode four. Did you think we'd ever make it to four? No, oh, man. I, I didn't even think we'd make it to two. I didn't think we'd get one. And <laughs> Facts. I think the, the first one was a total... By the way, today is Rudy's birthday. Stop it. Yeah. Happy birthday, Rudy. We love you. Shout out to Rudy Root, our first inaugural podcast guest you never forget your first never he he just set the bar but i have i do have to say vanessa's um gift card episode was was a was a topper it was uh it was a topper in many ways it was it was pretty epic we got a uh we got a uh record-breaking 34 listens numbers don't lie <laughs> No, 34. Who the fuck? Who can we just assume who the 34 could be? I mean, I don't even know 34 people that could bear to listen to us talk for 15 minutes, let alone 90. Think of the otherwise productive time that we have caused, you know, to be wasted on listening to our, let's face it, completely random and pointless, you know, musings. True. Are you, do you feel like we are going to continue this once we start reopening? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, you know, the fan, let the fans decide. <laughs> okay, fans. What do you, what do you all think? Tweet us. <laughs> I think that's what they say. Tweet, a, tweet us in the comments. Yeah, tweet us. Um, um, I will say that I think today... You know, we're, we keep building, and uh, I think today is going to be a, uh, a very interesting uh, session uh, with, get ready, buckle up. Should I, should, do you think I should smoke, like, a joint? Um, I would, I would start with maybe, maybe a cup of coffee, just to kind of. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, because he's, it's, it's a very quiet but intense energy that uh, Johnny, Johnny B, so te- John Brevard will be bringing to the session. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about Johnny B, not the R&B singer. That's no, John B. No, he needs no introduction. John <laughs> B, the R&B singer. Uh, so John Brevard is, is my buddy. Uh, he is a, uh, he's like an out there genius. So he's an architect by training, but he's a jewelry designer. He's designed the um, Six Senses project that's going to be built in Iceland, um, you know, which is Six Senses is like one of the premier uh, hotel uh, mm. brands in, in the world. Uh, cool. He is a um, uh, just a really interesting guy with a lot of uh, far out ideas, well articulated. Um, and so I think, you know, I thought he'd be a really good addition um, and a good episode for guest. And how do you guys know each other? Uh, we were, uh, we, you know, we were sort of like, uh, uh, we were bromanced by our mutual friend, Rebecca. Uh, no, basically he needed a lawyer and to help him with something. And uh, we became good friends. And yeah, we've become friends ever since. And he just got married. Uh, Kudos. To, to Joanna, who's a beautiful, lovely, lovely girl. And uh, he just texted me saying, Hey, what are the topics for discussion? I said, look, there's 
there's zero structure to this. It's utter chaos. It's not even a podcast. I it's mean, our fake podcast. It's our fake podcast. How um, you doing, by the way? You were you were a little bit down last. I, last I week. was. I was, and then um, shout out to Aventura Ma for letting me know that I have mutant powers. So yes, everybody, my assumption that I did contract the Rona was true, and I have the goddamn antibody. So jealous. Ugh. You know, and then like the mad haters, bro, the haters, man, they're just like, you can't trust these tests. These, these tests are like 15, 50%, you know, faulty. And, and I was like, look, I'm just going to believe that I have the antibody. So everybody out there, let's make a deal. If you want my plasma, just, you know, hit me up. I, I used I that line at a bar once. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Take, you know, I'll, I'll take crypto, Bitcoin. Let's do this. Let's go. Um. um I think, so do you think people are just not happy for others? Is that, or, or why do you think all this sort of the, the haters came out of the woodwork? I don't, I don't, I think it was just like cheeky haters, okay. you know? Because I'm a cheeky thing. hater. You're a cheeky hater. Like we're you like, are. we hating, but we're like, we really loving, you know, you know what I'm saying? We're zinging. But, uh, we're zing we're zinging haters, but um, but yeah, like I'm like a little bit like um, upset at myself because then I got all like, oh, I have the antibody, like word up, and then my boss is like, great, see you in the office. Uh... <laughs> yeah, so I will be, I will actually start going into the office next week. Okay, Are you excited? I kind, I kind of am. Are Are you like not missing office life, Ben? Um, I, no, no, I wouldn't say I'm, you know, I'm missing office life. Uh, cause I get to interact, you know, with, with all my colleagues and all the time anyway. I know that it's, you, something's lost in translation, you know, in the flat screen as opposed to sort of, you know, tactile real life. But, but I'm not finding, you know, I'm, I, I'm finding that I'm able to connect and communicate pretty well, um, in the, uh, you know, the digital world. So would you do a Jack Dorsey and essentially let your folks work from home indefinitely? Yeah, I think, you know, we like in my company, wow. we, you know, we don't have a very formal attendance policy anyway. It's kind of like, Hey, just do your work, get it done. Everyone's a professional. Um, now when you have to, you know, the thing is like some of the stuff that I do, uh, you know, like working deals. Sometimes it does require that you be in the same room because otherwise something is lost in translation. So, but I haven't had any of those yet during this time. So we'll see. Stuff gets lost in translation for sure. But it's pretty efficient still. Wow. Are you going to be so, the only one in there? No, my, my boss goes in every day. Does yeah. he have the uh, antibodies? Not to no, violate his just, HIPAA, right? No, he's just a G. He's just a straight he's up a, G. He's a straight up G. He just like... Fuck Corona, let's go. Going into the office, let's do this. It's like I've seen worse. <laughs> and then my um, our facilities manager Dan, he's pretty much there all day because he, in his own words, he um, survived Vietnam. So you know, how can you retort that? 
Um, I don't think you can. No, I mean, it's like what I, you know, I was a POW, Vietnam War vet. He gets like, you know, PTSD all the time when he hears like planes go by. I was like, Dan, you should definitely go into the office every day. Yeah, I don't know. You should not be by yourself. I think there's another kind of office he should be going to. (laughs) He's tried that, dude. He tried that. He's another one. He could be an interesting podcast guest because he's one of those guys that um, he has like stories of how he used to like um, fight Huntress Thompson in, in the Keys. What? Like he has stories. That's a good story. I want to hear it's that a, story. Yeah, he has stories about that. Like, dude is a goon. Yeah. Again, like you, he's like like Mickey Monday from like a uh, Cocaine Cowboys. You know, like just like oh. a total like character. Didn't he just die? Did he? From Wait. COVID? No, no, just just death. Oh. Uh oh. Ben. Wi-Fi issues for our uh, listeners out there, all five of you. Ben is frozen. You might have to log out. Hello. Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> hey, what's up? Oh, what's up? How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Who's on the call? It, it's 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 your your buddy Ben and it's your new friend Esther. Hi. Hi. Oh, so How this is a you're not zooming with us. Oh, should I be zooming? Yeah, no. Man. I, no, is it, ben, is this no. A video thing? No, no. We only release the audio, but it but it is cool to, to be able to see each other and talk. Oh, okay. Should I be going on Zoom? Yeah, man. Okay. Do I hang up on my phone and then jump on the Zoom app? Is that what I do? Yeah, yeah, don't worry. We'll, we'll keep talking. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll hold down the phone for you. Oh, okay. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> that was he an was appropriate like, introduction. He was like, what's Zoom? Like, do we really need to Zoom? Um, I think Zoom is over, to be honest. I think people are just over Zoom. Yeah. yeah. I think people are just over everything. Can we just just flat out say we're over the quarantine we're over zoom we're over banana bread we are just over like let's go yeah i agree oh there he is hey how's it going what's up john hi hi how are you i'm glad you guys are meeting i think you guys are going to get along very very well Oh, great, great. Uh, on a virtual meet. On a virtual meet. How's it going? Oh, we're just talking about how Zoom is over. What do you mean how Zoom is over? Like, we're, we're just, the whole thing is over. Like, quarantine, like, everyone's just over it, you know? We're over Zoom, we're over 
lockdown, we're just over banana bread and. Oh my God, every- I've had so much banana bread. <laughs> so, That's so like, funny. I told you you'd like each other. I was I've like, had no. a lot of banana bread. We, we don't want any more banana bread. We're done. Like, let's just move on. Zucchini bread? Corn bread? Just, just banana bread. Lots of banana bread. And you know, what did it, why? What do you think it is that, why is everyone spin, spin in? Spindrift. Spindrift. Lots of spindrift. What, what is that? Is that a beer? That? No. no, it's a water with like lemon. It's a new thing. Oh, is that the new LaCroix? Yeah. Yes, it is actually. It's a new LaCroix. It's a new LaCroix. Okay. But but more more uh, like hipstery, I think. How yeah. how more hipster can you be than LaCroix? It's pretty hipster. It's pretty hipster. Like, are we talking Bushwick deep dive hipster? No, or are we talking no. It's like William. It's, it's supposed to be just water with lemon wedge or with you know. Uh, berries or whatever, but just straight up, no, you know, additives or anything like that. So the design is very hipstery. And mm. anyway, so what are we talking about today, kids? Life, pretty much. Oh, Ben is having issues. Hey, Ben, are you doubles? Do you have, is your twin on the line? It, yeah, yeah. I wanted to go all Gonzo. It, what's your twin's name? Uh, Ken. This is uh, Benito. Benito. Because you know, there's four screens I'm looking at right now, and you, you know, that you are next to you, and the other you is also moving. That that's this, a good metaphor for my life right now. Okay. <laughs> so you're not twins. There's just a glitch in the matrix. There, well, we are in a matrix, aren't we? We yes. are surely in the matrix of Zoom. Um, well, well, John, welcome to our fake podcast. Okay. Uh, I don't know if Ben warned you, but it's not a real one. It's a fake podcast. You, and uh, we're, very, we're really excited that you are our official guest on episode four. Okay. Grant, granted, we never even thought we would do episode one. So All right. shout out to us, Ben, that we actually um, needed a global pandemic to get our so shit what, together. What's the name of the podcast? We don't really have a name. You got to have a name to your podcast. I mean, we've been calling it the fake podcast, and I think people like it. Oh. Am okay. I right? Ben? Yeah, they like it. They really, really like it. So, Um, got it. Is this like Seinfeld? Like it's a podcast about nothing? Is that the intention? Is this effective? Ben has a a big smile on his face. So, I think that this is what this is. It's completely. You guys were were so distraught over the passing of one of the Seinfeld characters yesterday. Yeah, you came up with a podcast about nothing. Oh, Jerry Stiller died. Yes. Yeah. And you know who else died? The freaking double rainbow guy died. That was so sad. What's double rainbow guy? You don't remember double rainbow guy? The guy that um, blew up on YouTube and he was like. Oh, I. Double rainbow. No, I don't know. 
No, okay. Wait, he so, a- so, wait, sorry to interrupt. So, okay, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to understand this intellectually up front. So, this is going to be that, would you say it's called the, um, the no pot non podcast? Would you call it? It's fake, a fake, fake podcast. podcast. Fake, fake, the fake podcast. And it's underneath that, it's going to say, it's a podcast about nothing. Is that like, well, I don't it's think a, we need to say that. I think it's implicit. Okay. But it's not about nothing. We talk really deep we, stuff. We talk about nothing and everything. It's very zen. Oh, okay. Nothing and everything. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. It's, it's we're non-binary. Hold, this whole on, I thing both, is both, non-binary. I need both of my hands for this. Guys, it's a podcast, so they did not see that, John. Sorry. Uh, it's, that, that was uh, the meme of like the mind blown. Yes. You know that meme? Okay. I think that's um, the front cover for the uh, SoundCloud broadcast later is, is John's head exploding. Yes. That'd be a good one. Um, but we can talk about anything. The last guest, she literally had a litany of topics that we just like ransacked. I'm mostly Fleetwood Mac. Yes. Okay. What do you... We, yes. So what's your what what's your your background, Esther? I work in the arts. At, um, uh, what what part of the arts? Can you tell me more? Um, yes, I'm a proud arts administrator. I work for an organization called Ulite Arts, which was formerly Art Center, South Florida. Okay. It was like on Lincoln Road. But before that, I worked for the National Young Arts Foundation, and then I worked for the Adrian Arsh Center, and then I worked for the MOCA, and my background is programming, so I just program events. And So could you get yeah. one of my big sculptures in, like, public places and stuff? I could. Wait, cool. so you do public sculptures? I thought you were a jewelry designer. No, I do architecture and public sculpture and furniture and huge stuff. So, I do big stuff. Um, also, another cool stuff is I help with um, the public art that happens at Coachella, which is really oh, cool. cool. Yeah, because they do like big, giant art installations. Are you familiar with uh, Roberto and Rosario? No, not as much. They're, uh, they're like a couple duo from Argentina and they do like these giant um, public art installations. Actually, they have one in Coral Gables. They have the um, Peace and Love installation at the Miami International uh, Airport. Like mm-hmm. this giant like wall that's like flowers. So mm. yeah, so I got those guys who were able to, to do two big uh, installations at Coachella. Cool. I want to say the year that Ben and I went. What year was that? 19, 19. What am I talking about? 2014, I want to say. Was it that long ago? Yeah, man. Anyways. So, yeah. So, cool. You do public art. What kind uh, of public yeah. art? Well, oh, I dude, what's also that piece? I also do furniture. This is a, a table, weighs about almost 3,000 pounds. Wow. What is the material? Is it granite? It's petrified wood and zinc. So I did this oh, wow. chair, I did this sculpture. 
Here's another piece. This. All That's this furniture. One. There's another piece. All, everything here. All this furniture. Have you heard of first dibs? Yeah. So, uh, that's my dog. Aww. Great. But um, anyway, uh, so this piece here, this dinner table was the most expensive piece ever sold on first dibs. But it was, I made three of them. This is just one of them. Wow. And when you say most expensive, we're talking like a million dollars? Oh, it's close to a million, yeah. How long did it take you to make a piece like that? A year. A year. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, that's a long commitment. <laughs> so you, so you actually get the wood from where? The petrified wood from where? Indonesia. Wow. So how do you source these materials? Is it um, I actually like personal them, research? Uh, I bought all the materials in 2005. I bought like several containers worth of petrified wood because I found the material really fascinating. And it's like these 20 million year old artifacts. And so I combined petrified wood, which is kind of a timeless artifact that just really, um, the timelessness is like, unknowable because it's so ancient you know something that's 20 million years old it doesn't matter if i said 50 or 10 or it's just that's unfathomable right and then i mix it with things like steel and zinc and metals that are kind of a product of our tectonic era so that mixture tells a story about uh the relationship between uh man versus nature in a way uh, so the zinc table, for example, um, each of these legs, so there's, there's, I think it's like 50 or 60 uh, legs on the table. And what I did was I would go around different places in the world and pick up pieces of coral off beaches that had died from the acidity in the oceans. And then I put them into the molds from different continents and different countries around the world. And so um, there's like a an artifactual like imprint into the legs of the table and the top from different coral from different areas of the world. And, uh, yeah. And why um, a table? Um, well, I feel, it, I feel it's a kind of a discussion point on sustainability because, um, right now it's, our system is more of a, a cradle, a cradle to grave system versus a cradle to cradle system. So everything that we create ends up going into dumpsters and there's really no recycling because of dissipation and embodied energy. So everything ends up, it's, you know, kind of a mess. So I want to create things that will never be, that destroyed. will never go away, never be right. destroyed. So mm. this, these dinner tables, nobody will ever destroy the dinner table. End up at a museum or end up in somebody's house, but nobody's gonna ever destroy this dinner table. I wanted to create only very limited edition or one of a kind or special pieces that will last the, the test of time that were built very high quality. And um, yeah, that's just something I do. You're like a design Highlander. 
<laughs> sure, I've never heard that before, but um, that's, that's, yeah. That's a good one. There can, there can be only one. There can be only one, yeah. So, um, but I, I have, I'm doing some uh, public sculptures on some land I purchased in Iceland, and Ben was there when I did that. Uh, where I'm building uh, a hotel, I'm developing a hotel, sustainable hotel resort on about 5,000 acres. And um, I'm the architect, owner, and developer of that project. And it's going to be uh, done in late 2022. Wow. And it's going to be pretty cool and futuristic, all sustainable, all farm to table. And that's something that I'm pretty excited about. What triggered that project? Is that something that you've always dreamed about going or doing and why Iceland? Yeah, so um, that's a good question. I get asked that a lot. Uh, so Iceland is uh, considered the happiest country in the world, the healthiest country in the world, has the cleanest water and the cleanest air on earth. It has the lowest income inequality, which I feel is very important. Um, and it's now mostly female-led, and I feel like it is a good representation of where we want to go in terms of the future. Um, because people there are very connected to the earth. They respect nature. They respect the land. And um, I felt like it was a place to start fresh, you know. Um, I'm not going to get, like, apocalyptic. <laughs> And say yes, that, like, please. Do yes. It. Go there. Yes, go there. Do go it. there. No. Now, now, now. Um, no, I. I. Um, Is it a biodome? Are you creating a biodome in auspices of a of a resort? <laughs> no, that was the original idea. Was something like that, but um, you know, practicality came in, and we had to get a a. Uh, hotel partner but we found six senses which is really aligned with our ethos which six senses is the most sustainable hotel uh, group in the world it's the number one hotel group in the world right now all farm to table all sustainable um and uh so we had to partner with a, a group and they were the perfect partner for us and so we, yeah we're really excited about it um but yeah, I mean, I think that years ago, I kind of felt like this was going to happen. There's, there was kind of um, uh, the football was on the field for this type of uh, populism, nationalism, um, because income inequality was on the rise. And, and then we have COVID-19, and then you could see uh, the graph of um, – joblessness claims and so this isn't going away we just this is kind of like a winter time and so my hopes is that you know we do what we can to build communities that can be represent can represent ways that we can go in the future so like we don't the idea uh, ben and i've talked about a lot many years ago before trump was elected and i i, I think ben was agreeing with me that trump's going to elected when it was hill when, when it was early days uh even before trump was a nominee but we talked a lot about this book the fourth turning i know ben wants me to go all apocalypto uh which which i'm not really that apocalypto i used to be a bit more 
Um, but uh, I just think that there's seasons and this is a cycle. That's why I don't, whether it's Trump wins again, which I think he will, um, I, I don't see it to be a bad thing. It's just part of the natural cycle, right? That that we have to, our old systems need to collapse in order for us to create new systems. So Trump just is a perfect reflection of where we are as a society, as a narcissistic, uh, you know, me generation. And he's a perfect kind of boomeritis. He's a perfect, he's a perfect, like, last breath of the ignorant white man to, you know, to usher in the beginning of a new era. Right. So that's my perspective. Without getting yeah. It's deep. like, it's like the five stages of the empire. Right. And I think the yeah. last stage was like the bread and circus stage. And they were saying like in Rome, um, they were starting to celebrate chefs and, our recent society with like celebrity chefs, like it's almost like a cliche that we're just copying this cycle of what an empire's like rise of like survivalism to intellectualism to innovation. And then this idea of um, total just like farce, which in the last 20 years, I would think is, you know, we were kind of going down that route particularly for like reality TV and I mean, fucking the internet and all that stuff. Or, or, or even experiential marketing, which we discussed a couple of episodes ago. Oh, right. right. Umame. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I do. Um, if you, if you, if you look at, um, I don't know what, what those stages are. What, what, what are the stages in terms of what you're referencing? The stages of the collapse. Um, hold on. I'm trying to find the, I took notes on this. I read a book about pretty much just the, the collapse of the Roman empire. Yeah. And, um, and it, it just, it, the last one was in the, the stage of bread and circus. But when, well, yeah, I'm curious to know what those stages are. I, I, I think that right now, I mean, I tell, I basically told everyone for years now, I'm talking like maybe what Ben, I'm, I've been talking about the fourth turning for since, for, since maybe, a, I don't know, it's 20, 12, 13. Yeah, 12, 12 and 13 sounds right. Yeah. That, and I've been talking about it a bit more because, um, there are these generational cycles. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the book, Esther. No. Well, I, I don't know. I don't, maybe I shouldn't get, get, go, no, go, go that direction. Uh, but um, uh, basically, uh, these two historians uh, wrote, wrote this book, and they weren't uh, left or right-leaning. They just were noticing that there are certain recursive patterns um, that, that, you know, kind of happen every 90 to hundred years, uh, these kind of evolutionary cycles, right? Cycles mm -hmm. of growth, uh, and death, birth and decay. And I've been telling everybody, I know for years now that this, is it louder from outside? Is the sound okay if I, I'm outside while we're talking? Yeah, it's fine. You're loud and clear to me. Okay. Um, basically... Um, the 
the thesis is that um, every every let's say we'll give you an example. So your your average lifespan of a healthy human being is about ninety years. A healthy human being, right? And within that, those ninety years, there's like four seasons or four cycles or four turnings, and those are kind of changes in 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 someone's someone's experience of being. And um, we as humans, you could also um, make those cycles for countries or or for, for time periods. And I'm just, I'm trying to simplify this because it's a long book and it's pretty heavy. But um, basically, these authors proposed the idea that, that basically they said in 2007, this book was written in 1995, and they said in 2007, we're going to have a crash, and then we're going to stimulate our economy, and um, we're going to start seeing rises in, in, in income inequality and, and populism and nationalism, and, but we're going to stimulate and pump money into the system. And... Um, as we do that, other countries in the world are going to start doing that as well, and weak currencies will start to fall, and leaders will get desperate, and they'll start creating narratives of blaming others, or Jews, Muslims, Blacks, whatever it might be, Asians, um, Asians and um, that populist message is going to be an important uh, part of the decay of an old system and the growth of a new system. Because in winter time, four seasons. In winter time, everything dies. Old systems collapse, and then you have an emergence in the spring, right? So um, these authors uh, basically just took everything that happened in the 1920s and 30s. You had Weimar Germany. You had money printing. You had the Smoot-Hawley Trade Act, the trade wars, um, and all of this led to. Um, hyperinflation. We Johnny Boy currencies, strong currencies, and uh, now is looking different than it than it did in the past. I don't I'm not saying we're going to have necessarily boots on the ground, but the conflict has already started, I and mean, we're seeing now. I go on my Facebook, and I've been I've actually done this myself. But I've shared information from people who I thought, you know, oh, this information from them is vetted. And then I realized that that's fake. And then now every piece of information I look at, I say to myself, is this fake or is this real? And then I'll look it up often and I'm just like, holy shit. Like there's just a slew of fake information everywhere. And this is information warfare. This is a type of warfare. There's also... Um, other types of, of warfare as well. Um, and uh, we're seeing those used in, in, in different ways to collapse society. Uh, you know, look what's happening in Venezuela, look what's happening in Hungary. Um, and uh, all these things kind of, the darker side of these, uh, of what the authors say is that there's this kind of like a necessary cleansing process in every hundred years. Um, we have to kind of cleanse society in order for us to sustain ourselves as humans. And a big portion of society dies in some form or another, in some way or another. And then we reset. There's a hard reset. Maybe there's a new currency. Maybe it's cryptocurrency. I don't know. Right. But um, anyway, one of the reasons why I say this is the most important book ever written for, for a young generation to read 
is because, uh, ironically, Steve Bannon was obsessed with the book. Uh, mm. and he he um, architect Trump's campaign based on this book. Uh, he even made a movie on the book called Generation Zero with uh, Bolton was in the book and uh, Larry Kudlow was in the book and a bunch of people from Trump's cabinet. The book, I mean, and not the book, the, the movie Generation Zero by Steve Bannon. Anyway, it came out in 2013. But also, um, on the flip side of that, uh, Al Gore, when he's vice president, gave the book to every member of Congress and Senate. He said the next four turning is going to be uh, basically a climate crisis. Fast forward, Steve Bannon said the next four turning is war with China. Hmm. So uh, I don't know. It's, I, I think that these, these things are kind of just interesting to look at and nobody really talks about them. But I find them to be really, really fascinating, um, uh, especially in Steve Bannon's speeches. He always ends them with, this is the great fourth turning, my friends. And that's how he ends his speeches. But nobody ever talks about it. But mm. basically, the message is just that, like, this is a natural cycle of decay that we go through every, you know, 90 years or so. My, my problem, I got a couple of problems with it. And you and I have discussed it before, John, is that that it's on the one hand it purports to be this sort of like very analytical uh or, or just a study in this inevitable uh you know these cycles that are bound to occur but then it's also being used as a political blueprint right um so the question is in, in the face of that you know where's the responsibility for us to, to actually do something about that, right? Or do we, just, do we just see it as inevitable and therefore it just has to happen in order for us to get to the next turning? Or you know, what should we be doing? Or, or is we well, So what we should time? be doing is, is, is first off being aware that this is in, in play, right? So what I notice is that a lot of people fight over really stupid shit. Like for example, people fight over really minute details of like what Trump did today or like what, you know, but they're missing the bigger picture of like the macroeconomic implications of what is happening from a larger scale picture. And once you have that picture, you can actually, you know, navigate the process in a more sane way. You're just like, okay, this is part of the cycle. I have friends that are far left and far right and in the center. And you just don't judge it, but you say like, oh, you listen and you try to hear people's perspective and you try to understand where they're coming from and communicate from a way, from a place of empathy and thereby allowing um, a, 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 a healthier dialogue that leads to less um, heightened divisiveness, which is prevalent in today more than ever, right? Like, I mean, the divisiveness is crazy. Like, I'm not going to give examples, but, you know, it's being engineered. Yeah, it's being engineered, it. yeah, it's it's, being engineered it's, right? By the Cambridge exactly. Analyticas of the world. Or... But, and, 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 and it's all like seeping into our dialogues with each other. And people are on heightened alert when they talk to each other about politics, about anything. And it's just this emotional roller coaster. And the key is understanding the cycle. So you could say, understand the cycle. So you could say, okay, like, I, I'm not gonna get emotional about this. I'm gonna ask questions, I'm gonna try to learn. I'm going to, um, I'm going to, you know, try to help people in need and neighbors and friends and, 
you know, be supportive in my community. And, uh, you know, those things are going to help bring us together versus create more divisions. Because, you know, if, if I were a country looking to take down someone like the United States, you know, you couldn't just go over there with troops. You can't do it. It's not possible. Take New York City, for example. You come up to New York with a bunch of ships and you have, what, 26,000 cops. You have National Guard. You have the Marines. You have the Navy. It's just not going to happen. Um, the way that you take down a country where everybody has a gun is you, you build divisiveness within. And, um, you know, another example, I was just listening to someone who specializes in, uh, in, in China, right? And um, he was saying that right now what China is doing is they're buying all these media companies and they're buying all these big movie studios and like AMC movie theaters and things like that. But they're doing it because what they're trying to do is essentially like craft a narrative to, to, to people to help shift their agenda, right? And it's funny because I was watching, I remember watching, have you ever seen the Eat Man movies? The, uh, the Wing Chun guy? That, anyway, I was watching the latest one the other oh, night. Yeah. And I noticed it was like super... Um, I, and I hadn't noticed with any of the other films. This is before I listened to this guy talking about uh, who specializes in, in, in China. He, and I noticed that they just made the Americans look so dumb and ignorant and racist. And, and I was just like, holy crap, like what is going on with this movie? And, um, and this is not about China or anything else. This is not about divide, further divisiveness of them versus us because I, I think we want to get beyond that. But the point is that this is, we're entering a time where it, other people from all walks of life, be it Russia, China, other countries, ourselves, there's just a, a lot of divisiveness and a lot of divisions. And we need to find ways to have awareness to understand that, that this is happening so we don't we don't become like succumb to the messaging, right? We can just look at it and say, oh, that's interesting, right? So if, so, you know, I, I always like to say like, if something affects you, it's unhealthy, but if it informs you, it's healthy. And I feel like oftentimes things are, you know, affecting everybody, not informing them, right? So everyone's having these emotional outbursts online and anyway, I'm taught rambling, but. So then what, so after the fourth turning, based on this book, what happens? I mean, like if there well, are well, examples in history, like you well, were mentioning actually, Germany, Hungary, like, okay, the end of Cold War, what happens? Are we, no one's living in some utopian so, society. So, so, so um, the examples in history, there's, there's a, a, you guys ever heard of Thucydides' trap? So, um, there's a philosopher that came up with Thucydides' trap, the Thucydides. And basically, Thucydides' traps, basically, I think 16 times, I may be wrong on the exact numbers, 16 times in history, um, there has been an example where um, you've had a global dominant world power, in this case, the US. Um, it could be, you could replace out of Rome or different, diff, different empires in different time periods. And um, it, 16 times in history, you've had uh, something happen where a dominant world power 
was threatened by an emerging world power that was very quickly emerging. And out of the 16 times, I believe um, 13 of those times, it ended in, in conflict. 12. Right. Oh, 12. Okay. So, sorry. I knew my numbers were not exactly correct. But, but it's a um, Google. Yeah. So, so um, the idea is that, uh, you know, whenever you have that tension that's there, it, it, it oftentimes can, can um, lead to conflict. And that's, that's where kind of consciousness or awareness or um, getting in, you know, getting personally informed and getting your own kind of mind and mental and emotional and spiritual self right is like the most important thing I think that we could do. And then from there, we could start doing things depending on your you know, one state of consciousness, like helping neighbors, helping others, becoming uh, someone to help inform others or, you know, not in a way of like trying to teach, but just like, and not trying to judge, but more of like, from a place of, uh, of just genuine trying to help. But, but John, I think the problem with this city's trap is the same problem I have with the fourth turning, which is that these are sort of like diagnostic models, right? Or predictive models that then again, because the, the Thucydides, I can't even pronounce it, Thucydides trap is being politicized right now, right? By those who see conflict between the US and China as being inevitable again. so. My problem with these constructs is that they become almost self-fulfilling sort of prophecies. Yeah, they become self-fulfilling prophecies. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I often ask myself that about the fourth turning. Like, what if that book was never written? You know, because clearly it's it's shaped. You know, but then would Bannon have been there to pick up that this was the narrative that he had to use to to be the architect of Trump's campaign? And would it have still happened? I don't know if anyone knows the answer to that. But, um, but we're certainly in it, right? Like, it's certainly accurate, whether you like it or not. So where does that leave us, right? And we might have problems with the logic and say, you know, hey, but if the tree falls in the wood and there's nobody there to hear it, did it make a sound, right? It, we don't know the answer, but, um, but I think we certainly do know that right now around the world, you know, the trend is in trading. I like to trade and they say the trend is your friend. You don't want to be a bull in a bear market or a bear in a bull market, right? Like the trend of populism, the trend for nationalism, the trend for the trend for this fourth turning narrative is there. It's clearly we are in a, a global misinformation warfare and, and you know, there's, there's certainly uh, heightened tensions. I think we're in a very interesting point in modern day history that past histories are not the best example based on the fact that technology has trumped all. We are, all of us are living in a very monolithic um, society, which is a society of capitalism. So regardless if you're Chinese, regardless if you're, you know, American, um, capitalism is pretty much the the end-all be-all for what is current society so i think the only alternative here is to create a non-capitalistic 
system if we're trying to come up with an alternative. But I don't what know if that that's ever like. I mean, I think we, we need to go back to basics. I mean, we actually, funny enough, on episode two, Ben, we talked about the fact that, you know, the, the idea of the uh, Dunbar theory of 150 people, you know, that's our tribe. Like beyond that, you're going to start talking about power corrupting people. Power corrupts people, regardless how good you are. And um, yeah, I think that we just need to kind of go back to more of a smaller commune, talk about community building. But these like mass societies should be not obliterated, but it just it just doesn't function well. But the other the other thing to think of that I find it interesting because everything you just talked about Dunbar's theory and all that is kind of rooted in evolutionary psychology, right? Because we grew up, you know, we we evolved in certain size communities in certain climates, and therefore the way we act is informed by that. But the very nature of what it is to be human is changing too, right? Uh, singularity, right? I mean, we you're man and machine. Uh, you know, becoming one. So, you know, how relevant are those types of, uh, you know, of these theories? Or do we have to revisit those now that, that we as a species are even changing or adapting? Even right now, you know, I'm, I'm holding a phone that's, you know, over the last 10 years become another appendage, right? And that's going to be magnified uh, exponentially, you know, over the next few decades. Yeah, but that doesn't create a community, Ben. I mean, community, at the end of the day, you have to have trust with individuals. So, like, if I was going into a, a community of 150 people, my, my hope is that I would trust these people that's going to essentially help me for my well-being. I think what is the biggest turnoff right now is that no one in America trusts each other. We don't trust the media. We don't trust our neighbors. We don't trust anyone. And that is what pretty much the divisiveness is happening is that, you know, why is getting unemployment checks so hard? Because there's so many red tape to go through because the government doesn't even trust their citizens to, to actually file correct paperwork. So why is Iceland the perfect community? Because people in Iceland is a monolithic culture. They all kind of look alike and they trust one another. Similar to like countries like South Korea, you, you all come from the same heritage. We all share the same history. You know, I mean, that, I mean, that is in and of itself building trust. And that's why we can support one another quicker than say, like, if you're working with people you don't know. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah, I, I, I think the problem is really just we don't have a common set of facts that we anchor our beliefs around. You know, everyone is picking their own facts to support their own opinions. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's really the fundamental problem we have, which is a function of technology, you know, breakdown in, um, in sources of, of, of trusted information and, 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 you know, the ability of propagandists to exploit that, um, and to directly market to us their own brand of, of truth, right? Or their own set of facts. Um, so I, I don't know how we resolve, we solve for that problem. I think that's it's only gonna get worse and worse. Yeah, 
Anywho, what did everyone eat for lunch today? Well, I, yeah. Well, I, the trust is. Um, you had trust. It's, for it's, it's tough. Yeah, I had trust for lunch. Um, trust is a tough one because I think that trust has been broken down from um, from this new technology. Like whenever you have a new technology that emerges. Um, and it's disruptive, there's going to be implications of the use of that technology. People are going to use it for bad purposes. People are going to um, abuse that technology. And I think that the, the breakdown of trust is a byproduct of that. In, in, in a way though, it's also allowed us to create trusted communities. Like even if you look at for example, like white nationalists, you know, without this technology, or if you look at, you know, people that are environmentalists, for example, let's use people at different ends of the spectrum. You know, don't you think that they trust their communities? White nationalists trust their communities? I mean, I'm sure well, the that trust, they have very the, strong, the, yeah. you know, the, very strong connections with this bond of people and their community and their ethos right they, well, they have a common it's... enemy they have a common yes. enemy which is the whatever cause they're organized around but so does against so, that. so so do the environmentalists right it's like oh damn with the, these people but there's anger behind it it's like you know you really have to like go into ken wilbur to like break down state stages levels types where people are coming from where they're born time they were born location you know all these very complex uh systems to understand them and they're you know especially like on a a talking time between us us just you know we're just brazing the surface of the inner complexities underlying all these different systems these they, that's what they are they're living breathing systems of communities and these communities have actually trust has been amplified in a way, right? So like trust has been broken down in one way, but it's also been amplified in other ways because like through this technology, we've now created many communities. If you're a believer that like Nintendo was the best game in the world and you're obsessed with it, you could find a community of people that fully believe everything you believe and now you have a trusted community that you're part of, right? And there's so many of these right now. So, so the trust in community is still there. It's just transformed itself. It used to be more diverse. And one would argue that diversity is, is, is a big strength. I and mean, especially in companies, I have a friend who's written books about this matter, where it's like, you know, diversity breeds innovation in companies, right? But, um, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? You know, it's like now you have all these white nationalists and they're growing in numbers and they're becoming a, a bigger group and they're recruiting more people or ISIS. But and you also have people on other ends of that spectrum, right? And I don't even think that there's really an answer. You just have to kind of let the system you know, let the system evolve the way it naturally will evolve while doing the best that we all can personally to, to improve ourselves and our awareness to become 
I don't know, better citizens of the world, I guess. But, but isn't that, I don't know, it just seems counterintuitive because you're saying that the agency that we have is with respect to ourselves, but that we, there's really nothing we can do about this sort of factionalism that you described because it's just part of the natural order and will lead to something new. And yeah, that's just where I... Yeah. You, you can't tell, like, try to convince a Trump supporter, like a diehard Trump supporter, not to support Trump. That's like impossible. I forgot the name for it in psychology, but like once somebody has made a decision, like they are very, very rarely going to have their mind changed because they've decided and their mind, body, and spirit, they've agreed that that is the way, that that is the best way, right? Like you're not going to go into a white nationalist group and convince them that like that is, you know, quote unquote wrong or right or I, I don't even think anything's right or wrong it just is right um, but sorry Ben did that make sense or yeah yes I think I think you're right it goes back to what you were saying earlier that really our responsibility right now should be to listen to people with compassion try to connect with everyone no matter how we feel about their their viewpoint um, and you're right. No one, you know, I think, especially when people know that your agenda is to change their mind, you know, you're actually doing, you're, you're doing the opposite, right? By trying to change their mind. All they're going to do is hunker down and it's going to strengthen their, their existing beliefs. So the only way that we can even begin to chip away at, and, and that's not to say that we necessarily should be chipping away at people's beliefs. Who's to say that, you know, that our efforts to chip away are even, you know, noble or worthwhile, but if we want to try to achieve a dialogue and some mutual understanding, we've got to approach everything with empathy. Yeah. As my mom says, only by the grace of God, people change. Yeah. I love that my we, dad, we always have a, a mom reference. Your mom always comes up in these podcasts, man. Does she listen to these? No, not at all. Um, John, is my Fred going to listen says, to this? Well, I was going to say, as my dad always says, a zebra never loses its stripes. <laughs> so don't try, don't try to change the zebra. It's not going to lose its stripes. Shout out to Fred. <clears throat> Shout out to the moms and dads for keeping it real. <laughs> Shout out to Hannah and Sally. Um, yeah. Well, humans, you know. Very, uh, it's very complicated, but also very simple at the same time. Like anything. Uh, John, I was glad you broke. I was glad to that uh, Ken Wilber entered the fray. I I actually think that it, it, it's it's it, he's he's quite the iconoclast because um, I think that he's from a personal level from what I've seen he's he, he kind of is quite the narcissist. While at the same time, his his writing on, uh, you know, basically uh, finding ways to sh to shed the layers of of egoism and, and uh, narcissism are, are quite brilliant uh, in the way that he outlines kind of uh, human consciousness. But at the same time, it's like ironic because he, you know, as a person, he's quite narcissistic 
Uh, look, at anyone that's trying to synthesize all human knowledge and experience into like one kind of unified uh, theory is probably a narcissist. Yeah. Facts. That's the one thing that this uh, pandemic has taught me is that I know absolutely nothing. Well, that's a great place to be. Absolutely. Ego death is real. Yeah, I think that's, um, that was one of, that was one of the, when I was younger, I used to drink a lot of plant medicine and stuff. And that was one of the biggest takeaways for me many times over. What, that you, you know? know nothing or ego death? Yeah. Yeah, you know nothing that, you know, essentially, you know, we're just a bunch of monkeys running around on this earth. And oh, yes. at, the end of, at the end of the day, we really don't know shit. I mean, the cool thing is that, you know, this idea that nature always wins, though, that the universe somehow likes to be in balance. And I think that what you were saying earlier, John, about, you know, kind of the different populisms that are happening, the extremities, you know, it's just, again, it's just balance, trying to stay within the fray. Because that yin and yang, it exists somewhere. Does that mean that... Uh... To your point, do you think that um, coronavirus, other than being a Bill Gates creation, um, oh Jesus Christ, is a uh, that was a joke. You really think uh, it's a Bill Gates creation? No, are no, you, I'm, I'm, I'm being no, I'm being uh, okay. sarcastic. I'm being ironic. Okay. Um, no, but that that it that it's nature's kind of it's re, it's a reaction. It's a unit. It's you know Mother Earth so. or Gaia's reaction. I think so. I, I think so. Um, I think that. Um, I agree with Esther. It's like nature will find a way. And, you know, the planet is a living, breathing creature. And we are just like these little fractal components of it. And um, if, if you're a living, breathing creature, you're like your stomach, when, when it realizes that substances are in it that are unhealthy for it, it will find creative ways to dispel those substances. Right. And, the earth has tried different ways to, to shake up some, like it's like an animal that has a bunch of ticks on it. It's kind of taking its life away. It will try whatever it can to get rid of them, even though it can't physically do it. Um, but you know, if, if I was planet earth and I was trying and I realized, Oh wow, I created this disease for myself and, and it killed this other disease. I would do more of that if I was Mother Earth. Um, and actually our bodies do that as well. Oftentimes we will create diseases in our bodies to remove other diseases. So it kind of makes sense. True that. You agree with that, Esther? You think that this is uh, like some deeper intelligence as opposed to some random mutation that, that didn't, doesn't have some intentionality behind it? I think everything does happen for a reason, if we wanted to, to have a reason. But 
my personal philosophy is yes. I mean, I believe in balance, whether that's personal balance in my life or, you know, my environment or the greater, you know, universe, but, you know, nature always wins. I'm, every time I feel like I'm like, what do I, I don't know anything. My life is like in shambles. What do I do? I literally look at a tree and you just say like, what the fuck? Like a tree, like explain a tree. It's like, you know, or like the Fibonacci sequence, like explain that, like how, you know, like fractals and like patterns and like you see in nature and like, it's like, it's, it's like data. It's all numbers at the end of the day. And those things to me are not random, you know, there has to be, yeah. That's like the beauty of the banana bread zeitgeist. Oh, bringing it back. Good wrap up. (laughs) Back to the banana bread. The phenomenon of the banana bread. Um, Yeah. That was light. (laughs) Just Just another fun conversation that we have on our Seinfeld type fake podcast yeah john this wasn't about nothing we really uh really did discuss some some things of substance yeah it's uh it's very complex i think trying to understand it is also part of the unknowable you know yeah you know, I, I'm kind of glad I didn't like smoke weed before we had this discussion, but I'm looking forward to listening to it later and smoking weed while listening to it. <laughs> Are you going to edit this out, Ben? Oh, shit. That's right. Um, I'm a member of the Florida bar. Ooh. Nah, it's fine. Oh, I don't like, dude, no one listens to it. Um, I, I but, don't know the 34 people that listened to it last week, you know, that's true. It's all about quality, not that's, quantity. It is. It is. So who's, um, who, is this Ben? Is this your podcast? Is this, or who, who, who's the host so, of this? So uh, Esther is the host. I, I'm that's not sort true. Of the, it's a joint host. A yeah. Joint host. You're, you're really, you're the, you're the talent and I'm, I'm sort of, you know, I'm uh, didn't we agree? I'm, I'm Andy Richter. Right, but I didn't really see myself as Conan O'Brien. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, no, we've been talking about doing a podcast for like four years. <laughs> and only did, did the boredom creep in after week two of quarantine where we're just like, what do we do? Oh, yeah, let's do a podcast. No, never. Um, that's right. Are you going to do lightning round? Yeah, we have a tradition now, John, seeing that we're like experts, veterans in the podcast world. We do lightning rounds of fast-fired questions for our guests. Okay, what are the questions? Well, it's random questions that I will ask both you and Ben, and it has to be quick, even though everyone just like ponders and takes like six minutes to answer. Are you guys ready? Is it for both of us or one at a time or how are we handle this? 
I well, asked well, a question and then you, one of you guys Ben's, will... Ben's um, wittier and, and, and faster than I am. So let's, you know, while he's okay, responding, I'll come, up with, I'll come up with my response. Okay, I'm really bad at good. lightning round though. I'm really bad at it. I don't know. I get like a little bit of stage fright. Okay, let's go. Okay, you ready? Okay, yeah. here truth, we go. Truth or dare. <laughs> okay, question one. What has been a reoccurring dream of yours, Ben? Uh, it has been uh, uh, running, but then being able to kind of like fly for a little bit after I take a step. Oh, that's great. That's a great reoccurring dream. Okay, John? Pass. Is that, I can't, can you do I that? can't remember. My memory is really weird. I, I do remember I've been having more dreams lately, but I can't remember one of them when asked. It's really weird. You can come back to that if you want to. All right. Think okay. about it some more and then we can come back to it. Okay. Uh, question number two. Who has been a great mentor in your life and why? John, you go okay. first on this one. Um, I, I think, um, wow. Uh, so from a design aesthetic, there was a woman that I worked with in the beginning of my career, Lorraine Latond. Um, I learned a lot from that experience. Um, there was, uh, but I think that my biggest growth came from working with my business partner, um, my biggest spiritual growth. I think I learned a lot um, through that experience. But I think it's 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 because it's often the the hardest dynamics that in your life, the hardest kind of relationships in your life, business partners, people that are close to, um, that allow us to reflect so much that we often then realize that like we brought that person into our life for the lesson that we had to learn and it ends up kind of changing your whole life trajectory who you are and who you become thereafter is like a completely different person because of that experience so i would say probably my business partners brought has made the biggest change but I don't, I don't even think that she'd even know it because um, it wasn't until like after reflecting on the experience that I was like, wow, that really altered who I am, you know? Wow. Shout out to John's business partner. Yeah. Um, ben? Um, so I don't have like a mentor. I, I can't really think of one person who I would say that's my mentor. I mean, I, I probably oh, should work by on the that. way, that wasn't my mentor. That was just, I thought it was kind of like who has been in uh, anywhere. What was oh, the question? I, I she well, said mentor, but I went off on a tangent. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> ben, I, I gave you more time to think. Wait, yeah. The question was who has been a great mentor in your life and why? Okay. Yes, I don't really have a mentor. I mean, I think I pick up things from the people in my life and I create kind of a composite set of, you know, ide ideas and ideals, uh, you know, out of that. But there is, there is one 
I wouldn't call him a mentor, but he did give me, give me a really good construct for how to live or, or at least how to conceptualize a, 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 a life that's worthwhile is I had a Mexican client. His name is Pepe. Um, surprisingly, right? Uh, he uh, he had this concept of un hombre completo, which is like a complete man, right? This notion of having a certain set of skills, attitudes, aptitudes that would render one a complete man or a complete woman. Um, and so, you know, I, I think about that often. Am I living up to that ideal, right? Of of, of being having you know having those 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 uh, diverse uh, skills and, and attitudes. What is it? What's, how do you be a complete man? It's, well, you know, it's, it's a sense of approaching everything with principle and with mm. a set of, of values um, and of humility and of treating people with respect and compassion, right? Let's go back to one of the themes of, of, of our podcast. Um, so it's hard, to, it's hard to articulate. It's just, just kind of more of a holistic approach you know, to life. And how to make a really good cocktail. Complete man. And how to, that's absolutely, absolutely. Uh, that's the key. Um, okay. Next question. Lightning round. What's the most spontaneous thing you've ever done? Spontaneous answer. Yeah, Anyone? Dang, it's your turn. It's your turn. Uh, oh shit! Okay, most spontaneous thing I've ever done. I think when I was twenty-one, I moved to uh, to, to Brazil for a girl. Bought a one-way ticket, sold my car. Nice. Uh, I think mine was um, I was one night at a club in Miami, and I was just like I realized that I had strayed from my path a lot and just life had changed and I just got on my phone and booked a one-way ticket to Thailand and left and didn't come back for like six, eight months six months I remember that nice yeah. that was pretty spontaneous that was dope love it people were um, like are you alive <laughs> are you ever coming back <laughs> um that's great okay very spontaneous guys okay next question what weird thing do you do alone? <laughs> John? Um, what weird thing do I do alone? I do um, knife training. That's kind of weird. People say it's weird. What training the hell is knives. that? It's Kali like Eskrima. Kitchen knives? No, Kali Eskrima. So it's like, it's like a martial arts. But I train with it in New York like six or seven years but it's kind of weird like i'll have friends over and i do all this knife stuff and <laughs> they're like that's kind of weird yeah that's kind of weird i've done it it's weird <laughs> wait <laughs> it's what pretty weird yeah i think i think i've done it with ben before and you know i've showed him some of the stuff and he's like this is weird <laughs> okay great ben can you top this weirdness? Uh, I like to do uh, like mathematical calculations in my head. Like I do like two to the n power and I see how high I can go. 
and and then that's yeah, that's wow, that's yeah, it's a little OCD. Yeah, that's a little nerdy, weird. Okay, yeah. uh, next question. You're about to get into a fist fight. What song comes on as your soundtrack? Sail. What? Sail? Sail. Oh, yeah, Sail. What is the band called? A A W what? No, yeah, you said it. A Wall Nation. A Wall yeah. Nation. That's a good oh, song. Oh, shit. How about me on the. That's a good song. That's a good song. That's a good fist fight song. Okay, Ben. I think it's something by the Clash. You know. Oh yeah, that's cla- That's a classic. Okay. Yeah. All right. Using one word, how would you describe your family? Oh. He's playing it. Uh, I would describe my family in one word. Oh wow, this is like. This. Um, I would say uh, uh, I would say loyal. Was <laughs> a question or a statement? <laughs> How do you describe them? One statement or one one set? Uh, one word. One, one word. word. One word. Crazy. Intense. Let's be real here. Intense. Crazy. What about you, Esther? Quiet. Um, okay, this is a this is an interesting question that I've been asking a couple folks after watching a really awesome documentary about Hilma off Clint. Okay. If you had to pick one, would you be famous and enjoy fame, fortune, all of it while you were alive, but then your work will be forgotten when you die? Or would you not, for, or you won't be recognized while alive, but after you die, your work will be written in the history books. Well, John's making furniture that's going to last forever. So I think <laughs> we know the answer to that question. No, but it's more of a, it's more of a personal agenda. Like, would you create, do you want to be famous now? Why, why, why wouldn't you have both? Why, why that's not a cop try out, for dude. both? It's a cop-out answer because everybody wants to do both. But if you had to pick one. I have a question. Point of clarification. Yes. Are we, are we just talking about fame? Or are we talking about like doing something that has utility? No, like you, like let's say you're a musician and you created an album. But say that if you had the option to hold this album and release it after you die and it just like changed the course of music... Or you release the album now and get like pretty popular, famous, whatever. And then when you die, the album's forgotten. I like the first one. I want to say the first one, but if I'm being honest with myself, it's the second one. Okay. John? Um, well, I'd rather build something that's built to last than be a one-hit wonder. One-hit wonder. Right here. <laughs> okay. Next question. 
What are your top three emojis that you use? This is my top emoji right here. Oh, the doggy. What a cutie. That's my top um, emoji. So it's a dog emoji. Oh my God, what a cutie pie. All right, well, it's actually top three. But I, I get it. You could have three dog emojis. I'm a pretty basic uh, uh, emoji guy. You're a basic uh, so bitch? I'm a basic bitch, yeah. Although John did introduce me to Bitmoji. He actually constructed my Bitmoji at a, in a restaurant in, in Reykjavik. Do you still use it? I do use it, yeah, yeah. And it still looks like me. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I'm more of like a, uh, like a SMH, like with the, you know, the- Oh, you know, sh shake my head, yeah. Shake my head, yeah, shake my head. I'm, shake uh, my head. You know, I use the heart, I know, it's silly. And then I use the blushy face, you know, smiley thing, some basic shit. All right, moving on. Name me one movie you can watch forever. Light, lightning round? Light, lightning. <laughs> John? I don't know, something like crazy in sci-fi. You don't have any one particular movie that you loved? that you could watch forever and ever? No. Lost in Translation. Oh, that's a good one. I love Would you say Lost in Translation? Yeah, that's like my favorite film. Really? That's a good one. Because it's, um, it's a mood, it's a mood movie, right? So it doesn't really matter what happens, it's just a feeling. True. Um, okay, next question. What's the title of your quarter life biography? Whoa. <laughs> but, but is it like all caps, whoa? Or is it like cap W H O A dot dot dot? No, it's, it's W-H-O-A capitalized with a uh, exclamation point. Okay. That's a good, that's like, a good one. I would, I would I, New York Times bestseller, definitely. Nice. Uh, John, title of your quarter-life biography? Anti-disestablished social terrorism. <laughs> Huge. Oh, I've got one for him. One-fourth turning. <laughs> one fourth turning that's hilarious see i told you ben was the witty one um okay final question does god exist define god you define god an infinitely vibrant self-aware field of intelligence moving through and creating all things if that's god then yes it exists fair Ben? Maybe. You said, <laughs> excuse me? But is that you. the You're going off the definition that I set out? If you slowed down and I actually understood it, I might agree. Um, an infinitely vibrant, self-aware field of intelligence moving through and creating all things. 
Yeah, I'm gonna buy that. All right. As Esther, you? Yes. That came out as a question, but yes, yes. yes. If you say if you say if you say God is some guy in the sky or some person in the sky that's you know you know then in that case it's not I would say no, but no, I I, uh, I agree with John's description of a higher source. A, an yeah. infinite pulse. Ooh. The nice. pulse creator. All right. I think that's it for my lightning round. Philosophical John, any, questions. Any closing thoughts, John? How how's your experience been on the uh, on the podcast about nothing? And everything. I, I lost you. What did you say, Ben? How, how did you enjoy ben? your uh, your experience with us Hello. today? Are you talking to me? Yeah. Um, it was okay. I just was a bit shattered by the fact that my neighbor decided that, like, first off, I live in, like, a place where everybody loves the fact that we have trees everywhere. And, you know, what's so great about our neighborhoods is so many trees and they separate all the neighbor's houses. You don't really see the neighbor's house. There's privacy. My neighbor decides to go and he has a permit, but he has a permit to cut three trees down and he cut every tree around his property down. So now there's like no separation between our properties. And Who's, what's his name? So that, yeah, we can have all 12 of our listeners send uh, disappointed messages. Yeah, exactly. No, no, I already, I already went on uh, next door and posted about it. I usually never, I've actually never posted on next door, but I was like, dude, this guy has the permits cut three trees and cut every tree down in his whole yard and has like this huge pile of trees in front of his house. Like I would have taken all those trees and transplant and paid to transplant them onto my yard if I knew he was doing this. Not if cool. anyone, you know, like. Tree hater. Yeah. Like what the fuck, man? Just go yeah. online at least and like. But why cut them all the shreds and just leave them in front of your house? Allergic to trees. Yeah. Who does that? Tree well, haters. I'm, yeah. Hater of. Well, trees. I'm glad you enjoyed. I'm glad you enjoyed being on the podcast to, to answer my question. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to go uh, way off route with my answer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we also want to uh, commend you for being so multitasking during this conversation where you walked your dog, you probably got some cardio in, uh, you discovered your shitty neighbor, uh, and you cleaned your pool. It's like pretty epic. Yeah. I, I counted 3,400 steps. Yeah. I think this is the most productive podcast guests we've ever had. I also did some trading too in the beginning. Well, there it is, guys. Wow. Um, okay, I think we're gonna end this now. Thanks, John. <laughs> I'm just kidding about the trading part. All right, guys. Love you, buddy. Thanks. Thanks. Lots of love. Nice to meet you, Esther. Bye. All right, number four, you Ready for number Bye. five? All right. Peace out, folks. Peace.